Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. You're about to meet Marcus Fletcher. He is an artist, a teacher, and a fixture of Clifton. As a teacher for 21 years, he's inspired thousands of students with his unconventional teaching style. You'll hear from him and one of his former students, our own Natalie Jones, who says he was one of her most influential teachers. In this podcast, you'll hear about the interesting life he's lived here and his many stops around the world. Marcus Fletcher is this week's person of interest. So you're a hard guy to categorize. Oh, how so? Well, I mean, you've got a diverse and eclectic background. You're an artist, you're a teacher, or you're well-known in the community, you've traveled the world, you've been to Africa, you got an art show in Paris when you were in your 20s. Let's go back to the beginning. Are you from Cincinnati originally? For the most part. I mean, born in Alabama, um, came here from Selma, I guess, when I was maybe six or seven, and um, kind of stayed in the Avondale Cliff area. So you lived in Selma, Alabama up until you were six or seven years old? Yeah. Yeah, 67 to probably 75. So you were in Selma during the most turbulent years, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? I know you were young. Do you remember much of those years? I mean, I remember conversations being talked about as far as what they were going to do and, you know, areas that you were told not to sort of go to and not be around. And But like you said, I was little, so I just wasn't taken to where we weren't supposed to go, quote unquote. Do you remember Cincinnati being that much different when you moved here? No, because it was just... I was just going to elementary school. Can I ask what the reason was for coming to Cincinnati? I think the migration north in the 60s with um, the factories with Fisher Body and GM, because I know my great uncle also worked in Michigan with uh, GM and Ford. So I think just with the work that was available, opportunities to move up north and uh, I guess give us a Cincinnati, better life. a better life. Cincinnati is such a, such a neighborhood town. You say you live in Cincinnati, you may as well say you live on planet Earth. What is, yeah, you know, I mean, because the first thing that people ask you is, where did you go to high school? Yeah, Not where so did you go to college. high school? I, went to high, I graduated from Roger Bacon. So you went to Roger Bacon. Mm-hmm. You know, we often hear of gap years. Right. Uh, how much of a gap year did you take? About eight. Eight years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. No. Travel. Always with the intention of going to school eventually? Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew I was going to go. I knew I was probably going to teach. Um, but I wanted to take the time off to work on my artwork. Tell me about your artwork. Um, abstract, color, movement, line, just the colors and the motion and the movement. So you took eight years off. What did you do in that eight years? Worked and traveled. You know, I'd work for nine, ten months, and then I'd travel for four or five, and then come back and work and bus tables, bar back, all that kind of thing. What are some of the places you went when you traveled? Uh, France, Ireland, England, Spain. What drew you to those places? Art. I mean, mainly because, you know, studying art, you study all these artists and you study, you know, you see all these paintings and you read about the museums. And I just wanted to go see these actual paintings that I've always seen only in books. I would have loved to have done that at that age. Yeah. You just don't spend anything for a year. You just squirrel away everything. You live, live lean. Yes. Very lean. Yeah. I didn't even have to buy food because working in restaurants, I just eat there. Yeah. So when you finally went to UC, you said you studied foreign languages, French and Spanish. Yep. And uh, extensive studies in Swahili. I was in Tanzania for four months. What'd you do there? Hang out. (laughs) Who goes to Tanzania (laughs) to just hang out? I I know. I just went to hang out. I mean, a friend had convinced me that we should go and he got me to go into the uh, Swahili course at UC. And nine months after that, we're landing in uh, Dar es Salaam. 
So when you were experiencing all these, all these different cultures and all these different places, what is it that you're picking up and keeping with you? Appreciation for everything, anything and everything that you do. Um, a slowness and an awareness of things, just how things go, how you think, how you see things, how you hear, how you taste, and an appreciation for nothing, like a, a, just a contentment with just the most simple stripped-down version of anything that you can get. Because when I got back here, the amount of excess that we have was a culture shock. I mean, huge. You never noticed it before you left. No. That's fascinating. Where did that resonate with you? Like, was there one destination where it really hits you? I think any kind of small little local shop that you go into in Africa, or, or I think any kind of third world country that we call third world, when you just see the amount of what you can, what's available. And it's just, there are 16 different brands of peanut butter. It's just, you have creamy or crunchy and that's it. Yeah. So you don't have to take all this time trying to pick and choose which one you want. It's so limited. And then you just get used to making do with what you have. So it just becomes the way of life. So at one point you had an art show in Paris. Yeah, no, that's what took me there in 94. In 1994, you were in your 20s? Yep. How did that come about? I had um, I had a friend that's from Dayton, actually. I was at UC with, and she moved to Paris, and she hasn't been back since, really, but to visit parents, her mom. And her husband got me involved with it, and he said, you know, there was a show that he was involved with in Paris, and the person backed out, and he gave me a ring and said, send me some photos of your work. I think I might have a spot for you. And... I was shipping off paintings a couple months after that. And selling them. Yeah. I think I sold three. But it was nice because it gave me the belief that I could actually, after studying French on my own for nine months before going, it gave me this belief that I could actually do that. And so then when I came back, that's when I decided to um, major in both languages. At what point did you start studying French and Spanish? You after had- I said hello, after I said I would do the show. And he said, okay, oh, no nine kidding. Months. Here it comes, and so I just started. See, I always thought it's so hard. I tr- I took Spanish, and I, I, you know there are very few basic words and phrases that I can say. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it. I was diagnosed with dyslexia in the ninth grade, but to me, I have a hard enough time grasping the English language, let alone learning a new language. Especially to me, that just seems late in life. I know you're still a young guy, but I, you know, I wish but, I were still young. <laughs> you know what I mean? My producer on the Jeff and Jen Morning Show, Jennifer Fritch, she almost speaks fluent French, but she's been taking it since she was a little kid. Yeah. And I almost think for a lot of people, that's what it requires. You didn't even start studying French until you were planning to go there. Yeah. But I think that the facility was sound. I think I have that definitely because it does, it's not hard. It's not difficult for me to hear it and repeat it and say it back. Your, your brain just it works that it way. takes to it. Yeah. yeah. And with, you know, having learned the Romance language of Spanish in the seventh grade, I knew all the rules. And so it was kind of the same structure. It was just a different sound. So that made it a little bit easier. After Paris, then what happened? That's when I came back and started school. I'm going to go to school. I've had my fun. What's the long game from this point? It was get in to get out. Really? Got a program set up, and I didn't really stray from any of that. Had all the classes I needed, checked them off. I mean, as an artist, you had to go to school. To teach. I didn't go to school for for art. I went to school to, to get the skills I needed to teach. So even though you're an artist, you knew that you'd have to find a way to pay your bills. Yeah. And teaching was the way you were going to do it. Yeah, and, and teaching also gives me the summer to work on artwork all day like I've been doing this summer as well. So 
they gave me at least a break within uh, the year. Did you always know you'd be a teacher? Always, since like seventh grade. You what know how they used to have those. Grade? You know they had those counselors, and they would tell you about what do you want to do for a career or go to college? Yeah. And you know back then the computer would spit out all the paper on right. the bottom and rip it off, and it'd be like, well, your occupation should be within a foreign language, and it says teaching, and I was like, okay. Did that interest you? Yeah, I mean, I'm the oldest of seven kids, so I've always been teaching someone something, always, anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it was just natural. You know, I took one of those guidance counselor tests where you have to, you know, fill out these things. And, yeah. You know, you, they look at your skills, and, you know, they were coming out with, like, lawyer or uh, psychologist. And I, I was like, there's nothing in here that says radio disc jockey. That's what <laughs> I want to do. It wasn't in there. Now, is this something that you knew that you always want, kind of wanted to do as a teenager? Or oh, this. I was fascinated with the medium of radio. Ever since I was too young to understand how it worked, I used to think when I was a little kid, there were little tiny people inside that box. Right. And then when I understood the, the science behind radio communications, then it was the intimacy for me. I thought it was fascinating how somebody somewhere else could establish a personal connection and as a kid growing up, I would listen to the radio on the way to school, and I would hear these guys laughing and joking with each other, and they're playing fun music. And school was always really tough for me. I struggled academically. What they were doing seemed so much more fun than what right. I was on my way right. to. And so that's when I decided I want to do that. I don't know what it pays, but I don't care because if I can do that, I'll be happy. So I guess I've always known, as long as I've been able to talk, I think I always kind of knew this is what I wanted to do. Oh, that's great, because that's the same way I feel about, you know, my art. I mean, since I was a kid, I knew, like, I'd see something and, like, wow, I want to be able to do that. And then when you, like you said, you get this connection with the people looking at your work, and people start commenting on it and talking about it and building that relationship and that dialogue, it was like, wow. So then when I went to Paris and had the show, it kind of proved to me that I could actually do it. So you got your degree at UC. Yeah. You started teaching. Yep. Where'd you teach first? I taught my first position at St. Ursula Academy. And, and uh, we should, uh, full Spanish. disclosure here, you taught Natalie Jones, yes. who attended St. Ursula. She's the producer of the Person of Interest podcast. She booked this interview. She's in the room. <laughs> and she couldn't stop talking about this interesting guy that she's known since high school. Great. <laughs> and what kind of impact did he have on you? Oh, Fletch was the best. Fletch was, well, I mean, Mr. Fletcher. But we all just called him Fletch. I think that's how he liked it. He's, in my Catholic school experience, quite the unorthodox teacher because he just was a person. And we, I would say the barrier between teacher and student, he broke that down. I know you don't like when I say that, but he did. He just made me feel so, he makes everyone feel so comfortable and loved and appreciated no matter what. And his classes are always so much fun. I did learn a lot of Spanish, but I also like just learned a lot about life and had a great time. You know, there are certain teachers you remember and certain ones you do, do not remember at all. Right. And Fletcher is one that no one forgets. Anybody ever point out that your teaching style was different? You know, that oh. it was unconventional? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever get pushback from oh, yeah. school administrators? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got sat in the teacher's office or the principal's office like a student quite a few times. And, and what would they often say to you? Uh, you need more structure. Uh, this needs to be more of a teach learn environment you've got too much going on where the students are getting too much freedom or say into what's kind of going on and my thing was always but it's their education if i have to kind of use the material in some sort of abstract form for them to able to get the concept and to want to learn it then 
I don't understand what the problem happens to be if it's something that they will remember and something that they want to do. Because, you know, you have to, one, help people figure out how they learn things, and then you can give them the what they need to learn. Because once they learn how and understand how they function as far as with hands-on or if they're memory or they can really kind of go with a lecture-type style, then once they start, you start giving the information, then it's easy. That sounds like the artist brain working there. Exactly. I mean, I, I definitely would say that I teach in a very abstract style. Tell us about Which, the little boy at soccer camp yeah, who yeah, didn't yeah. know your name. Yeah, this, he was maybe seven and he, you know, six, yeah, six, seven. And I was, I'd show up to the fields early and practice and juggle the ball and dribble around by myself. And he couldn't remember my name and I could hear him sort of like, mm, you know, and I know he wanted to show me something, but I was thinking to myself, I'm going to make this kid remember my name. So I'd run away from him like I didn't hear him. And he'd run behind me again, and I hear, hey, and I'm like, what, he, like, what does he want? So finally, the third time, after I kind of trotted away, he just screams at the top of his lungs, hey, brown man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you want? It's <laughs> like, come on. And that's just kind of, you know, just one of so many things that you, you know, as a coach or as a teacher, you kind of keep within you when you're teaching or coaching young people. Do you get a lot of former students that come up to you and say, wow, you had such an impact on my life? Yeah, and that's that's always a, a good thing. Cause, and, it, and it usually, it's it's weird because it comes at times within the school year where you've almost about had it. You're just, you're done, you're tired, you're like, why am I doing this? Am I really reaching these kids? And then you see someone like her, one of her classmates that are like, Fletcher or... You know, I meet kids that are like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that because of you. I remember what you told us about this and that. and It's nice. It really makes it a big difference. All right. Well, coming up uh, in the next segment here, I want to talk more about like your connection to the community. You're like the mayor of Gaslight District in Clifton. <laughs> Everybody knows you. And when we come back, more from Marcus Fletcher. Fletch, as Person of Interest continues. We'll be back with more Person of Interest in a moment. And now, Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back to Person of Interest. Uh, we're talking to Marcus Fletcher, who's an artist. He's a teacher. He's a staple of this community. And uh, he is admired and loved by a lot of people, not the least of which are the are the thousands of young people who you've impacted over the years. Is that, do you ever think about that? I really haven't. And not as far as like that. But when you think about every, you know, especially in high school, you have 30 kids a class and you have five classrooms I, I think yeah that's thousands yeah even though you're not originally from cincinnati you came from selma alabama you moved here when you were six or seven years old now you have pretty much lived in the same neighborhood for how many years i've been running around clifton for pretty much 40 years yeah they call you sort of the unofficial mayor yeah yeah the, the mayor gatekeeper to the gaslight <laughs> i've not heard that one that's a good one how does that feel <laughs> It's fun. I mean, you know, when you're a part of a neighborhood like Clifton, that's so family oriented and just so compact. And when you play soccer and you referee a lot of kids and you coach a lot of kids and then you throw in being in the art world with a lot of artists in Clifton as well, you kind of get known. But, you know, and it's like, you know, you know people by face, even if you don't know them by name, because you see them at the grocery store, you see them walking down the street or you see them at graders on Ludlow or you see them just jogging or anything walking their dog so you you just know and when you don't see a face 
for a certain amount of time, you kind of wonder, like, I wonder what happened to that person, especially with the folks that I grew up with. Everyone sort of knows what is going on with even the people that have moved away because there's someone that is a link to keep them attached to the to the neighborhood. You have a reputation for telling it like it is. Yeah, yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, sometimes it's not nice, but I try to make it as soft as I can. I don't need to be brutal, but honesty is important. You think really you tr- you try to make it as soft as possible? Uh, sometimes. I don't. I, I, I strongly disagree with that. Statement. Yeah. A former student is challenging you on this. Yeah. I can, I can kind of no, be a don't. little sarcastic. But you have two modes. Nice and not nice at all. And you do not know any gray area in there. When you, when Fletch is not like he is right now. What determines the two? Be careful. Is it boiled down to just the person you're dealing with in the moment? Yeah. And I think it, it really has a lot to do with expectations. Um, you know, there are expectations even within friendships to be loyal and there and together. And if that doesn't kind of get there, then yeah, not nice. I mean, you coached kids for a while, didn't you? Yeah. Coached at St. Ursula Academy, coached uh, field hockey, and then coached soccer all around. So like, say, high school. What was the worst thing a parent ever said to you when you were coaching? <laughs> I think when a parent accused me of being the reason that her child had to go to a sports psychologist. What was the issue there? Did she somehow feel traumatized by your directness, by yeah, your honesty? I, I think so, and the volume in which instructions were. Are you a yeller? When I need to be, yes. Yes, I have a very loud voice when it needs to be. And I don't think that this girl was used to getting any uh, criticism. The mom took that as me being unfair. Besides St. Ursula, you've taught at, let's see, Aiken, Walnut Hills, Hughes, Withrow, Performing Arts School. Am I missing any? Um, In the school I teach at now called Amis, at the Academy of Multilingual Immersion Studies. What do you teach there? I teach fourth and fifth grade science in Spanish. What is the most common thing that you ever hear students tell you after you run into them? You know, they've graduated, they've been on their own now for a while, you run into them. I think that a lot of it, like Natalie said earlier, I mean, they say, you know, I remember your Spanish class. Um, The ones that, you know, got a lot out of it, yes, they went on to study languages. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either like when I went to college and started studying Spanish, it was so easy because of your class. Or it's, I don't really remember a lot of Spanish, but I remember stuff that you taught us about life, about ourselves, and just about everything in general. So, I had an American Studies teacher who had a really big impact on me. American Studies was an interesting 11th grade curriculum where the public high school that I attended combined English and social studies. Huh. It was still two periods a day. We would study vocabulary and sentence structure, but we would also read books that were pertinent to American history from the Roosevelt administration on. So much of it felt very relevant. Mr. Kelly's big takeaway, you know, the thing that he wanted to leave us with, pay attention to what's happening in the world around us, to question authority, not necessarily defy authority, but to understand that history has a tendency to repeat itself. And it is human nature to forget the atrocities of the past, to not repeat those mistakes. Understand how the mass media and politicians and world leaders manipulate. Understand how propaganda works. Don't let talk radio hosts and political pundits do your thinking for you. Get your news from multiple sources, not just the outlets that align with your way of thinking. You know, I thought that was so valuable and so insightful considering it was the mid-80s. 
that he had the foresight to see what was coming. For you, what is it that you want your kids to take away? If they haven't learned a damn lick of Spanish. <laughs> I think that's just different learning classes and study. <laughs> what is um, the one thing? Confidence. I mean, believe in yourself and how you portray yourself is important. And that comes with, I always say, you know, Spanish is just one language. But even using the language that you're born with, if you don't learn Spanish, it's fine. But how you use the language to get people to want to listen to you is what's important, no matter what. Some, some of the things that, Fletch always ensured in me is that he noticed positive attributes of my character and really supported them and made a point to comment on them, which made me feel really confident in a way that nobody ever has. And that's incredibly reassuring. Do you remember one in particular? Yeah. He's, he's, he said like, no matter what, you're always so honest. Like that's (laughs) it. No matter what, like you don't lie. You don't make up any excuses. You're so honest and you're just you all the time. Like that's, you take responsibility and there's no BS. Yeah. And I'd never been commended for that. It's always. Like, he was the first guy that actually commended you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, I think it's a great thing. <clears throat> this, this story came about when I was asking her for her homework. And she's just like, shrugged her shoulders. She goes, I'm not going to lie. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we tell one story? Do you remember the Spanish? Remember that test? Remember when I took the test and I didn't know any of the answers to the oh, test? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I didn't know. I went into a class one day and was like, and, and Mr. Fletcher said like, you know, like get out. We have a test. I'm like, what? We have a test? Like what chapter are we on? I had no idea what was going on in the class. I had to borrow a pen from somebody. And so I take the test and I do not know one answer on the test at all. So there was a lot of vocabulary on it, a lot of filling in the blanks in a sentence. Yes. So I took this as an opportunity to be very creative. Yes. <laughs> and I answered each question as a complete joke. like I remember that because I was reading it and I was laughing as I was reading it that night. And I was like, I can't fail her because this is funny. So. so, okay. And so I write, the, I write the whole, like, for instance, there was a, um, a picture and arrows being pointed to the picture to describe and to write down the vocab word in Spanish, right? And so I wrote things like L, ugly wig, O. Yes. L, L, this, her credit card just got declined, O. Stuff like that. Throughout the entire thing, every single question, I was like, well, I'm going to make up something here. And I thought it was funny. You figure if I'm going to go down, I may as well go down in flames. Exactly. So then I turned the test in (gasps) on pins and needles and then just walk away. You know, just like, (laughs) all right, that's it. So then I come back into class the next day and this goes into Fletch has happy and not happy. And he's always really jovial and smiling when you enter, when you enter a classroom to greet you. And that the very next day he was very stoic, straight faced and just said to everyone, sit down and don't get anything out of your backpack. But he was very serious about it. And so we're all like, oh my God, what? He's like, just clean hands on your desk. He starts passing out a sheet of paper to the entire classroom. And as he's passing it out, he says, do not turn over this piece of paper until everybody in the class receives it. So we all get this piece of paper face down on our desk. And then he's like, all right, everybody turn it over at the same time. And it was a copy of my test that I had turned in the day before. That's funny. And then he walked through the whole thing with the class. It was great. And he did not tell me. He didn't. It was classic. I think that same same test, Becca Bullard wrote hers completely backwards. Backwards. The entire thing. It was talent. Everything was written backwards. I was like, this is skill. 
And you got to give some credit to that. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was it was great. It was it was it was funny. And he really did. He made he made a really <laughs> great. I mean, obviously, I studied would continue to study, you know. But we had a really great we had a really great time for it, and he yeah. celebrated my creativity, which was wonderful. So, like, out of all the teachers that you had, yeah, would you he say always, that Fletch had the biggest impact on you? Yes, I would. Mm, mm-hmm. Nice. Would you say he's the most memorable teacher? I don't want to put you on the spot because if yeah. he's not, just say he's not. You're honest. Yeah. I would say yes. I've had very many other memorable moments with teachers over the years, but overall, I would say it's it's stayed very positive. Yeah. And just love you to death. For yes, sure. I love you too. What's the one thing you kind of want to impart to students now? Effort. Put forth honest effort in what you're doing. Even if you're not in school, you should always be trying to learn. I mean, you know, school is there to give you a jump. You know, like they say, life is hard. Life is really hard if you're stupid. You really do make an impact on so many people's lives, whether you realize it or not. You are um, very intuitive by nature. And I think a lot of people gravitate towards that. Not all of us are good at structured learning environments. I think maybe we can all agree on that in this room. Yeah, and, definitely. And you celebrate that and don't force people out of their nature, nor um, make them feel bad about, you don't make students or anybody feel bad about weaknesses that they may have. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you remember what grade you got in his class? Oh, C. C, D. C. Yeah, C's, D's. I'm going to say C. I must, to yeah. be really honest, I was not always the I was not always the best student. No, but that's remarkable because you didn't do very well in his class, like academically. If you were getting C's and D's in his class, it's yeah. remarkable that he still had that much of an impact on you. And I got to ask you, Fletch, yeah. when you see these kids, you know they come back around, you run into them years later, yeah. and you think, oh, that's a C or D student. Were you thinking in the back of your head, I don't know about that one? Is it gratifying to see every now and then one turns out okay? <laughs> Oh, this was amazing. And when she told me what she, what she did, I was like, you what? You're doing what? Like, you're kidding me. You're on the radio? Wow. No, but it, it, I mean, it's it gonna, is. That's going to make you feel a little oh, better it, it about really, it. It really does. I mean, you some know, of these kids do eventually find their footing, you yeah. know? And I used to tell them that in high school. You know, you might not, this might not be it. I didn't really like high school that much either. But once I said, once you get into the real world, I tell them when you're in college, it's a lot more relaxed. You'll be able to kind of figure out what it is that you want to take. And it's not as hand on your throat and beating you down so much where you have to do this. It's more because you want to be doing it. So Yeah, can I say, you know, um, I always, in co- in high school, it was more of, I would say, for me being an adolescent, just like, I didn't want to do homework. Yeah. I wanted to watch MTV and honestly spend all my time with music yeah. and friends, you know? Like, I didn't really, I hated doing homework. Oh, you did. But, but when I, I, <laughs> I never did. But you say, like, like, things that I learned in your classroom were life lessons. When I went on to college, what I learned was, Choose what you want to, but also college is more about life. I became friends with all of my professors. I maneuvered school in a way that was beneficial to me and ended up really excelling and going on and realizing that just because, you know, you didn't do well in biology class in high school and maybe your SAT scores weren't amazing. There's still many other facets in life where you can be extremely successful if you really, if you try. Yeah, it really is. It's really nice. It really touches your heart when you see them. And they remember who you are and they have something to say about even even some of the worst students I've ever had who just always butting heads. I'd see them and they're like, hey, you know, apologizing for being a knucklehead and I should have listened to, you know, I get a lot yeah. of I should have listened to you because I got in trouble this way or that way. So you get both both sides either just but it's all gratifying if you just get to hear that. Thank you. And especially when you hear it from parents as well. 
a teacher, an artist, a uh, staple of the community, Marcus Fletcher. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Person me. Person of Interest. This is fun. Person of Interest is produced by this lady right here, Natalie Jones. So if you found Marcus Fletcher or any of our guests as uh, fascinating and compelling and interesting as we did, then send us an email to POI, which stands for Person of Interest. That's POI at WKRQ.com. We always welcome your thoughts. Also, feel free to make a suggestion for a future Person of Interest. We're going to keep producing more and more of these episodes for as long as you'll continue to listen to them. So make sure you check back with us and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, for Person of Interest, for Natalie Jones, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Yeah. It was fun. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.